Welcome to Arena Athletes, your home for MTG Arena Strategy. Step inside the digital arena with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Brought to you by Face to Face Games. You're listening to Arena Athletes number 119, Sultans of Sealed. My name is David Spill. I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. How are you, David? I'm good. I'm fresh off the M20 pre-release that we did. We did, Shout out to Shoebox Games here in Calgary. We went and did two at a giant. It was super fun. We beat our nemesis, nemeses in the final. Um, we went uh, undefeated with, um, what was it, black-white removal. It's stupid. You open 12 packs and you get like three murders and three pacifisms. And it's kind of like, man, I'm cutting pacifisms out of this deck. I have too much removal. <laughs> and then uh, Teamer Elementals with Double Risen Reef and Ashandra and Amu Yang and just a bunch of flying elementals. It was really good. And longtime listeners will appreciate that you did face the Nemesis in the finals and were able to take them down again. So like you and your daughter, basically every pre-release dream crush this same pair of people, right? They beat us the last one, but yeah, we joked that we've like got an ongoing like I think we're like four and one against them now, so we seem to have the number every single time. But it was nice. scary because they they had a Chandra that was that was very dangerous, the mythic one, which deals double emblems because it's each opponent. Yeah, I could see that being pretty good. Take two, take take four, take six, take eight. But that's why you main deck color hosers into it a giant. Oh, that's a great idea. I don't know that yeah. I would have thought about that. I don't we, I've not we, played nearly enough to head a giant. We exiled that thing at sorcery speed on the very next turn. It's it's <laughs> it was it was good. It was good fun. Uh, that place is always always great. It was a little quieter this time around. Um there is speculation that the set being released early maybe has something to do with it, or maybe it's just the summer vacation, or maybe it's just too soon after Modern Horizons, like who knows. Um but it was still fun and I'm looking forward to Getting more drafts in over the summer now that I'm not as busy and uh, playing a lot online. Arena's been been fun. Um, got to play with the London Mulligan. Me too. That has been so, nice. Yeah, actually, I'm curious what your thoughts are on Unlimited. I know you've been playing more standard this week, but I've done, um, I think, seven or eight sealed events. Um, haven't had to mulligan a ton because it's best of one and the hand smoothing applies, but... I know it doesn't make a ton of difference. Like, we talked about this. I know you talked about it on stream quite a bit, um, but... I like the I like the feeling of control that I get over my hand. Yeah. So if I mulligan to six, I'm looking at seven and I get to put a, ha- a card back. It feels like I'm making a relevant decision, even though I'm losing 10% or whatever it is on my win rate that we've decided. Um, it, it makes me feel more engaged in the game instead of just being like, oh, great, I kept six, I'm going to lose. Um, even if, if the numbers don't actually change. So I like the placebo effect of it at the very least. I think there's probably a little bit more to it than that. I do think it has bigger ramifications for constructed than it does for limited. But even in limited, like there's times where I would keep a one lander on a mall to six when I'm on the draw and I'm like, okay, I just need to find lands. And it felt like getting to look at that extra card before you made the decision made that much more keepable. You're like, oh, cool. I'll just put the six drop on the bottom, keep these two lands and we're good to go. Uh, so it's 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 a non-zero amount of value that I think gives us more games, and anything that's leading to more games has got to be a good thing. Yeah, I think at the very least, what'll end up happening more often than not is you'll find more keepable sixes than than you did potentially before, right? So now yeah. you used to run into like, well, I'll keep, I'll go to six, and then you get a no land six, and it's like, well, I have to go to five. But now if you get a one land six, it's a one land seven, you know, 
put that card on the bottom. Now you have a one lander because you probably keep a one land six if you've mulled already with the scry. So it, it feels like you'll have more keepable sixes, which is great. It's still not a reason to go down to six. So, you know, longtime listeners know don't, don't mulligan limited if you don't have to. I think the same rule applies. So agree. So let's talk M20 sealed because that's kind of all we've done in the limited format. Uh, I haven't done any drafts yet, but I've got, like I said, seven or eight underneath me. You did four on the Monday for the Wizards pre-release event, which was awesome, by the way. Thanks to Watsy. I think I may have done five. I did a oh, lot. Even, even more than me. Okay, great. So, at least on the first day. Yeah, yeah, so, and you've caught up and surpassed me since then. Yeah. Um. How did you do? Like, what was your record like? Did you And how did you find the format overall when you were playing it? I never track that stuff, and you're always <laughs> mad because I should. I'm terrified. I, how do you not keep track of how good you're doing? Yeah, I know. It's bizarre. I just like to play the game. It's so much fun to play. I don't want to stop and count. I just want to keep playing. I remember having one deck that got six wins, and I remember having one that only got two wins, uh, but I don't remember what was in between there. I think it was somewhat average. It finishes in like four and five wins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised at how slow the format was. Like I've played a lot of Sealed, and I'm used to how slow Sealed is supposed to be normally, and this was slower than I thought it was going to be. Not quite, I don't need any two drops slow, but I'm not super worried about two drops slow because just nobody was trying to run me over. Now that may change in draft because there's going to be somebody trying to do Boros things. And even if it's not good, somebody won't know that and will try to do it anyway. So I, I, don't, I think you don't want to assume that draft is going to be quite that slow. But this looks like a slower set to me than what I'm used to. Yeah, and I think there'd be some interesting cards that are have fundamental differences between sealed and draft. Obviously, there's that's always the case, but I think there's cards that are like unplayable in draft that are actually potentially game breaking in sealed. Um, yeah. and I want to talk about a couple of those coming up here. So, um, my experience with the with the format and the speed of the format is I had a, a deck that went seven zero, started off as red green because I didn't have two drops in any other colors, so I was playing red for a bunch of two drops, and it was like red was pretty okay. And then I played one game with it, and I'm like, man, this deck just doesn't feel like it does anything. And so I switched to blue-green, and um, somebody in chat was like, well, we're experimenting. Why don't you try the, uh, the, the portal, the blue artifact for three that you can pay one and tap and return something back to your hand? Because I had a ton of Enter the Battlefield effects. I had the, the Ferocious Pup. I had double, um, what's it called, the, uh, the Frost Links. I had Scholar of Secrets. I had Meteor Golem. I had all sorts of these enter the battlefield effects across both colors. So like format seems slow. Why don't you try it? My blue green deck had one two drop. It was the flash two one pirate. Yeah. Plus one plus one when you, when you cast an incident or sorcery or an incident on your opponent's turn or a spell on your opponent's turn. And an unsummoned. Those are my two drops. <laughs> and you know, I know a little bit about that deck because that's the one you beat me with on my stream. I didn't even bring it up because that was the case. I totally forgot about that. So we played on, on on your stream. I wasn't streaming yet. I had no idea it was you until I'm like listening to your stream and somebody like, like, what is he talking about? Like he's already beat his opponent. It's like turn one. I'm like looking over. I'm not really paying attention to the game. And then all of a sudden somebody pokes me in chat and he's like, like you're playing against Travis. And I'm like, I'm going to pause the stream now. I'm going to close that. It's like turn four. I'm not stream sniping you. But yes, I did. I did soul crush you with that deck. You did, it, and it made it even funnier because as soon as I saw your name, I was like, "Well, this is a buy. We've already won." Uh, and then you just, <laughs> just raffle stomped me. I don't think I actually got the portal in play, did I? No, because I, no. I would have had words for you if I'd seen that. No, that wasn't the deck because I pacified your seven six. No, no, a sleeping paralysis is your your seven six. Yeah, but I, I remember right. it had the two one flash guy in it. 
That's right, because I got you with it too. That's right. I paralysis maybe a splash for pacifism. I don't remember. Either way, it was great. I win. I am now lifetime undefeated in M20 sealed against you. That is correct. So huge flex over here. Um but like I I had the deck had no two drops, and it just never mattered that I wasn't playing anything on turn two. Um so I think I agree with you on that one. Sealed seems really slow. Haven't done a draft yet. But I think a card like the portal in the right deck is is just an example of kind of the shenanigans you can get up to in sealed because it's slow enough and you're not punished. So I want to talk about that card when we get to it. But what we're going to do is we're going to go down some cards that kind of stood out for us in sealed, um, in particular comparing them to the gray that you gave on stream mm-hmm. and talk about why we think or why I think they're different um, and what's changed since we started playing the format. So, but before we get into that, I think you wanted to mention the the Patreon this week. Oh, yeah. I did want to remind everybody that we have a Patreon going. Uh, you can find it at patreon.com slash arena underscore athletes. Uh, we do have a good bit of Patreons going now. So thank you to everybody that has you know logged on and signed on into supporting us there. If you like the podcast and you have some extra money and you'd like to support the content that we're doing, we would love the support. If you don't, that's all right. Just tell a friend to listen. Um, but you can come in here and support for as little as $1 uh, per episode. That gets you access uh, to the Discord server, access to the warm-up and mic check, some of which are quite funny, although I will remind Patreons that those are not G-rated as the podcast often is, because uh, Dave and I will do a little warm-up and mic check uh, before we start the podcast, and we share those with the Patreons. Some of them are pretty funny, and some of them are just boring because it's Dave talking for a long time. Uh, but I did just want to do a shout out. If you weren't aware that we have that, uh, please check it out. We would love to have your support. And like I said, if, if you if you're not able to help, don't feel like you have to. We're just thankful that you listen. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Patreon.com/slash/arena/athletes. Absolutely. All right, so let's jump right in. So we're going to start with some white cards today. And the card, one of the cards I wanted to ask you about is Inspiring Captain. You had it rated as a C. So this is the, I'm doing this for memory, uh, three and a white for a three, three when it enters the battlefield. Creatures you can go control get plus one, plus one till end of turn. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about that card. So you gave it a C. I played with it a couple of times, and maybe it's just the sealed format, um, but I think it's going to apply in, in general. I think there's been a lot of times in the past where this card has let us down. I think we saw it in War of the Spark in another body uh, or another another creature name, but I think it was the same body for the same casting cost. Um, I think that one gave Vigilance instead of plus one, plus one. There was an it? Elephant and Ravnica that gave plus one, plus one. I thought there was like a goblin, like a white goblin looking captain. Maybe it was the Luxodon. All right, anyway. It seems like this this spot struggles with a card like this, like finding room for it, I find. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... After playing, after trying it once in a deck that had a bunch of flyers, it's just like, if I'm winning with flyers in the air, I don't need this. And it felt like I couldn't get a go-wide deck to go wide enough to make this card count. So I think I wanted to see what your take is on this one and if you had a chance to play with it. I, sadly, I did not get a chance to play with it. Uh, so it, it's still kind of theory crafting here. But like with the grade of C, I don't think that this is something we should be going after or excited to play or splashing for or anything like that. The the reason I'm saying I think it's a little bit better than, well, I, actually I'm saying I think it's filler, uh, not worse. But the reason why is I saw a lot of cards that made multiple creatures for one card. Things like Raise the Alarm being a big one. Uh, so I, I don't think it would necessarily be at home in a Flyers deck where you're already attacking evasively. Uh, although there's Flyers everywhere in this set too, by the way. 
But if I've got cards that make multiple tokens, and I saw some of those in red, in green, and in white, then something like this could probably be okay. Uh, so combine it with Raise the Alarm or Jackal Pup. Or what's the card? Uh, Ferocious Pup. Ferocious Pup, that one. Uh, and then there's a red card that makes three elementals. Like I think if there's a Boros deck or a Naya deck or something like that, this is probably going to be you know, a, a good filler card in it. I, I don't think it's going to be great. Um, yeah. I, I think the last time we saw it was actually a Luxodon, and I remember that being okay, but not not wonderful, not terrible. And then I'm pretty sure the variant we had in War of the Spark just gave your dudes vigilance for a turn, and that just that okay. just wasn't enough. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember. I knew we had uh, a version of this. Maybe it was Inspiring Captain a couple of sets ago, but um, I, well, I want to talk about Raise the Alarm too. I'm way at least in Sealed. I was way down on Raise the Alarm, and again, maybe that's just because the format like Sealed seems so slow. But it just seems like your like your two drop spot. There are better things to do than make a couple of one ones. Um, the the card that I think this does go well with, obviously, is the elemental card. But I think that card also just goes better in the in the teamer colors and not necessarily the red white. I don't think I saw a single red white in sealed. Again, draft is going to be different, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I just it's tough to find a spot for this. There's so many better four drops in all of those colors. In red, you want the elemental four drop. In blue, there's um, like Octo Profit, which I think is way better than this in the four drop spot. In green, there's multiple cards that are better in that range. There's the four three trample. There's the two four that draws you a card, um, or or you're ramping to five and you're skipping over that spot entirely. I can't think of one in black. Maybe maybe that's the one that I'm struggling to. I guess Grave Digger, but that's an uncommon. I just feel like there's just better cards to go in this spot. And at four man, I think the three three body is pretty uninspiring. So. That's, that's uninspiring. Where I'm coming in on that. I see what you did there. That was accidental. So I think that's where I'm coming in on that card. I'll be curious to see how it plays in draft for sure. But I like I just like steered completely away from it in, um, in sealed entirely. Yeah. Again, I don't think it's necessarily great. Um, mm-hmm. I, I checked the variant we had in War of the Spark was Vigilance only, which I think oh, okay. is significantly worse. Yeah, I uh, thought it was plus one, plus one. That's my bad. And this is a, a, a reprint. Like we played with this. I think it was in Shadows Block. And it was okay there. And mm-hmm. in that case, we weren't even like making multiple bodies for the most part. Uh, we were predominantly just kind of um, playing green-white humans and pumping them up and sending this in. And it was just fine there. And I, I think creatures have gotten better since then, but not dramatically better. So I'm not arguing that this card is wonderful and you should be first picking it. Just that this card is okay. And you shouldn't be embarrassed if you put it in your deck. Uh, just mm-hmm. filler. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty down, like I said, on Raise the Alarm overall. Um, I think it'll probably be better in Draft and Sealed, but like it I, be, tried yeah. it, I tried it in a couple of decks, and it was just not, on, it was just not good at all. Were the um, creatures too big that you couldn't like, yes. you know, trade this off for an X one? That's that's kind of what I was feeling too. Is that the creatures are just kind of big? Yeah, and a lot of the ones that were um, like even the two drops, some of them were hard to trade for too. Like there was uh, one that gives first strike. There's one three that these don't trade for. Like there's just a lot of things that you just can't even like flash in and get somebody with yeah and and that's really the advantage of raise the alarm is you're going to flash in and get somebody or you're going to flash in and like attack with them next turn under the the banner of like an inspiring captain or something like that but that play pattern just wasn't there in sealed so curious to see what happens in draft um i was kind of hoping that like the black white theme with the the corpse knight would come down and these, these things would get some value you can play them with the Griffin Sentinel, I find. That's actually the best thing you can do, is to play them with the Griffin Sentinel and get plus two, plus two at instant speed. But even then, like, you, people aren't blocking the Griffin Sentinel anyway. It's a two, three. It's really hard to block in the first place. So yeah. it was, like, bending over backwards for that one. One of the other cards I wanted to talk about is Pacifism. 
Now, obviously, pacifism, great. It's awesome. You have it as a B plus in your in your ratings guide here. I think that's totally fine. I wanted to compare it to murder. And the reason I wanted to compare it is, again, this is sealed, but it felt like there's a lot of ways to just not care about pacifism or deal with pacifism and still get some kind of value out of the card. So I saw a lot of play patterns uh, where, you know, I put a pacifism on something and then somebody would bone splinters it or somebody would unsummon it or somebody would bounce it with the uncommon uh, 4-4 elemental, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. It just it just felt like there was all these extra ways to play or to get outside or out from underneath pacifism and still get value that splashing aside, I find it hard to say that this is equal to or better than murder. And I agree with you. I think it's important to note in the review set that we were particularly rating things for draft, right? Mm -hmm. So if I open a sealed pool and I have two pacifisms and two murders, I'm probably playing black, white, but if I'm not, and I have to decide between one of those colors and I've got, you know, four really good black cards and four really good white cards, I'm going to prefer the black because murder Mm -hmm. is better than pacifism. It's instant speed. It's dead. It's gone. The, the reason I rated it a little bit higher uh, when we did the set review on stream is it's one white, right? Like if murder was just dark banishing, uh, which is a really old card, but it was two in a black destroy target, non-artifact, non-black creature. Like that's just busted, right? Like we don't, you, you don't get that anymore. Um, so like if, if murder was two in a black, obviously I'm taking it every time. So like, the, the the ability to splash pacifism is is what led me to giving it a higher grade. Although I I think you're right, and I don't think I thought all about the ways that you can get out from under a pacifism here. I you know said in the set review I'll never play a bone splinters. It's a terrible card. And then lo and behold, a few sealed decks later, I'm playing a passive uh, a bone splinters as my only removal spell. Uh, that was actually the deck that I did best with. Uh, was just green black bad cards. We're literally one of, like, my kill condition was the 1-3 Sorcerer of the Fang. Like, that was realistically the only way I was killing anybody. And I did. I killed people with that because the format was slow enough that I could get away with it. That card was surprisingly good. I really liked it. And the body, the 1-3, was super relevant. It just shut down a lot of two drops and sometimes even shut down three drops. So I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. Um, We'll get to black, black in a second here. I didn't really have anything else that came out of white as, like you know, knock my socks off or things that maybe we got wrong on, on the original go around. Um, although I think it, Ancestral Blade, again, sealed, well, it's probably better in draft, but I think given that two drops just didn't matter, I find myself, like, I found myself just not playing Ancestral Blade a lot. I played um, it a lot and I was pretty okay. happy with it. Mm-hmm. However, it didn't play like I thought it would. Quite mm-hmm. often I was playing it and then shortly thereafter putting the blade on something else that mattered because the 2-2, two, two, frankly, didn't. Yeah. Um, but having a short short that came with a body certainly wasn't bad. I never had a scenario where I drew it on two. But so, like, that, maybe that's even an argument for it being a little better. Because, like, if I drew it on turn six, I'd be like, cool, here's a token. I'm going to give this blade to a flyer and swing. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right on that one. The, the play pattern is definitely a more of a late game thing. Definitely more of a blue-white card than it is, uh, like, a black-white card, for example, I think. Yeah, I think it works, though. I agree. Uh, okay, moving on to blue, uh, Mr. Frostlinks, you gave a C plus, um, and I wanted to talk about this one. This card is bananas, not only because of its ability, but mainly because it's an elemental. And a cat. And, well, and a cat, but like, and it's an elemental. Yeah. Period, right? Um, which 
is something that I wanted to touch on, and, and it's easy to overlook. In fact, I missed a trigger that my daughter picked up in our two at a giant game because she played a card that was an elemental, and she's like going to look at the top of her deck. I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? She's like, elemental, because she had Risen Reef in play. There are, and this is an insane number of elementals in this format, and I think almost all of them are like main deckable. There yeah. may be one or two that I can think of off the top of my head that I probably wouldn't put in a main deck, and maybe I don't sideboard either. Um, and and Frost Links just having that ability is very important um, to punch damage through or to lock down flyers. Being an elemental is super important because you get extra value if you're building around that. But also, there's like ways to recur your creature. There's the unsummon variant, uh, or sorry, unsummon, not unsummon variant, just unsummon. There's the the four four elemental for that uncommon that returns a creature to your hand. So you can get value out of this late game when it's locked down and you can't attack or block with it because it's a two two facing down three threes and four fours. You can bounce it and just get some free value out of that by playing it again on a later turn. Um, there's just so many things you can do with this card that I think you know it's it's a C plus in most sets, but I think it's very easy to take this higher because of the pure upside of it being an elemental in a in a format where there's lots of elemental synergies. I do too. The, the last time we saw a card like this was in Ixalan where creatures didn't get particularly big outside of a few dinosaurs and those were relatively expensive to cast. So we saw a play pattern with it there where it's like, okay, I'll play this and tap your 2-2, attack with my 2-2, you trade, next turn you swing in and I trade this. We're like, what really happened? Not much. The card was still fine, and it had a relevant tribe there. But here, like, it, it seems like there's just bigger creatures. Like, green's got five fours for five that draw you cards. Uh, like, the, the card has... It overperformed for me every time I cast it. So Ethan rated this a B- minus on our set review, and I said it was a C plus. He was right, I was wrong. It's better. Yeah, I think it's just that, like... It's just that tier higher, and you kind of have to... It's a common, and if you can get two of these things in an elemental synergy deck, I think you're doing it correctly. And if you can um, get two of these in a deck that has literally no synergy with elementals, they're still great. Yeah, exactly. They're still great. Um, one of the things I like to do with this one is I had a deck with these, a bunch of these, a bunch of other elementals in the Uncommon Chandra that I was splashing for. And, you know, quite often you'd play this guy down, give plus two, plus zero to all your elementals and swing for a bunch because you took out their best blocker out of the way. So I think there's a lot of fun things you can enable with a card like this. Mm-hmm. Um, another card I wanted to talk about is Winged Words. Um, and the reason I want to talk about this one is because I think that after watching, playing a bunch of Sealed and watching a bunch of Draft, it just feels like card advantage is king. It feels like you want to be digging to your synergy cards. You want to be digging to your powerful cards. Because there are some very powerful rares and mythics that you want to be digging to. Mm-hmm. But also just you want to be digging to your removal spells. You always want to be trying to get your best cards out of your deck. And I feel like even if this was just plain old divination, I think it would be better than an average set when it comes to, to divination, I think. So you you rated it a C, which I think is probably fine, but I think I'm going to be taking it a little higher than a C, even though it might play like a C. Because of the upside, you're playing blue, you're going to have flyers, you might be able to double spell in a turn by playing this and another spell. Um, but also just digging to your powerful cards. In, a, in, in where you have powerful commons, powerful uncommons, and powerful rares and mythics, Winged Words just makes your deck a little smaller, effectively. Um, and I think it would be playing Divination in the spot quite a bit. I would even probably play two of these if I was playing a bunch of flyers so I could cast them for two mana. And the jury's still out on whether this is a sealed thing or a draft thing. Like, mm-hmm. 
when you're playing sealed, it typically is a little bit slower. So you've got time to draw cards and you get to look at six rares instead of three. So you're more likely to have powerful cards to draw into. Uh, so it, it, it's quite possible that this could be a C plus winged words format. Um, I still think I'm taking the frost links over it most of the time, but generally speaking, even with the divination, I, I did want one in my deck. So maybe C with C plus is actually a good grade for this. Cause to be fair in most white decks with the inspiring captain, if I don't get one, no problem, but in most blue decks, I probably want one of these. Yeah. I, I just like making my deck feel smaller and you, you have an opening hand with, uh, with you know three lands of winged words and like a, a two drop and a four drop and you're like i love this like how can i not how can i lose this game <laughs> this is so I good yeah, yeah this is so good so but i just wanted to make sure that like you know sometimes we we poo poo divination sometimes you poo poo divination but i think this is not a format where you want to be doing that yeah agree for for uncommons i wanted to mention portal of sanctuary so i already talked about how i had a deck that i switched into portal of sanctuary and i went 6-0 with it this is a 20 dollar bill in a parking lot story potentially so I th- if the format is slow, and maybe it's just a sealed thing, maybe it's not a draft thing, and you have a deck with a bunch of Enter the Battlefield effects, which is not that hard to get in Sultai Colors, I think there's a very good place for Portal of Sanctuary in a deck like that. So I think it's not like a 1 in like 10 deck, it's probably like a 1 in 50 deck, where you get it 1 out of every 50 drafts or something like that. But I, I, I wouldn't sleep on it, especially if you can get it on the wheel. You know, it might be the card that you're just like, oh, it's like pick 10, pick 9, I'm gonna, nobody's taking it, I'm going to speculate it, put it in the sideboard for now. And at the end of the draft, you look down and you've got like 14 enter the battlefield effects, and you're like, oh man, I could totally loop this Meteor Golem, or I could totally loop this Scholar of the Ages. Um, and I think that is potentially the time for it to shine. Now, you gave it, everybody gave it an F. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to talk about it, because I do not think it is entirely unplayable, which is where I put my Fs. I think it's a build around C, but if you're not building around it, it's not playable. I think that probably moves it up into just being a D card. Some decks will sure. want it. Not all will. And that's fair. Um, speaking of scholar of the ages, boy, howdy. Uh, there's some seven drops in this format and in sealed, you can cast them. You're probably going to live long enough to do it. A lot of formats you want. So as you look at something like scholar of the ages, uh, me and Ethan both gave that a D. Uh, ben rated it a B, and a lot of I got wrecked by Scholar of the Ages and ignored them until I got a little later in the format. And then it was like, let's try putting some seven drops in here. And turns out they're pretty good, and you're probably going to survive long enough to cast them. So y- your mileage will vary in draft. I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Uh, but if you're doing any more sealed, uh, play your seven drops. They're they're fine. It's it's the blue meteor golem. Basically, yeah. Is- so Meteor Golem is a 7-7, seven, seven, or 7-drop 3-3 uh, three, three that comes down and destroys target creature. Um, I think Scholar of the Ages is basically that. Um, I really liked it in my blue-green deck, where I could ramp to it. So I had a blue-green deck that was splashing white for pacifism and red for Chandra. So I was really greedy. Um, but I had a Gift of Paradise, the 2-drop the Druid, which is very good, by the way. I know yeah. we, in some formats we don't like Mana Dorks. I love mana. I love the mana dork in this format, both of them, and um, you know I got to cast it quite frequently. And one of my favorite things to do with it was just unsummon it, unsummon it, buy back it, buy back unsummon, and like winged words or buy back like whatever sorcery speed removal that I had in my deck, like a rabid bite. Um, once you do that once or twice, or like buy back and negate with it, it's like it feels like the game is over. 
Yeah, I used to refer to Meteor Golem as the green Meteor Golem because in the last set, you could really only play it in green. Uh, and it looks like that's just not the case now. I can remember, you know, it was on stream and I was playing sealed against somebody that was playing a black-white, very aggressive deck, like full complement of one-drops. And they've had this one card in their hand the whole game. And I'm like, what the heck is it? And then finally they draw their seventh land and Meteor Golem me. And I'm like, you, sir or ma'am, are a mad man or mad woman, because that doesn't make any sense. Um, but I think here it actually does, because at least sealed, it felt like it's going to be slow enough you can get away with that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to black, let's talk about Bone Splinters. Yep. And let's talk about why Bone Splinters is better now than it used to be. Okay. So Enlighten me. I mean, I, I, I'd assume that we were on the same page because you were putting Bone Splinters in decks when you, I've never seen you put Bone Splinters in a deck before. Yeah, so here's the thing. Sometimes you got to have a way to interact with your opponent and you've opened a sealed pool that literally has nothing for removal other than one Bone Splinters. Uh, and I... I took that Bone Splinters out to dinner. We watched Netflix on the couch. We snuggled up nice and close because I was not casting that Bone Splinters unless I absolutely had to. It was my best friend, and I just held it in my hand and stroked it and said, my precious, over and over and over because it's literally the only removal I had. Um, Generally speaking, I don't want to be putting Bone Splinters in decks. However, it does look like there's enough bombs here that you need to kill that if you kind of don't make it there on your murder count, maybe you need to put a Bone Splinters in that deck. And there is some built-in synergy for it, not necessarily in black, but in some of the other colors. And there's some good ways in black to kind of recuperate uh, your card disadvantage there. Like there's the the Burglar. Um, and I, I rated that as a C, and that's a little bit better than a C. Not the Burglar. Uh, what's the pirate guy who draws you cards when you attack with him? Ag- uh, audacious thief yeah that i said that was a c and i think it's actually a little better so like blowing up one of my two drops that's lost some of its value and then connecting with a thief kind of recoups me some of that card advantage so i do think bone splinters is better than it was in most formats um mm-hmm. I, it can be significantly better than it has been in the past and still not be amazing um but i have already played it in a deck when i literally only played the format for one day that's fair um I liked it in green with the ferocious pups. Like if you just have a couple of random ferocious pups, which by the way, I don't think they're that great on their own. You gotta, you gotta do stuff with them. Yeah. I I think unless you're really trying to abuse them, I don't think the two, three for three is what you want to be doing in this format. Let's make it very clear that we do not stand for puppy abuse on this podcast. I mean, yes, I think that (laughs) needs to go without saying, (laughs) well, you just said you needed to abuse the pups. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, but like Bone Splinters and Ferocious Pup are best friends. As yeah. much as I hate to say it. They work right, together it, and it, it does play nicely with the, I mean, again, that's Inspiring Captain. Like there's some medium level cards that yeah. normally you'd be like, I'm probably not going to play these. But if, if your deck has the, the right amount of synergy for it, it's, it's something you can do. So if I've got two pups, yeah, Bone Splinters is in. Yeah. Okay. Um, Blood Soaked Altar. I got to play with it. And? For science. It was awful. You don't, don't say. Yeah, I think it's worse than a D that you gave it. I, I don't... I find it very difficult to find a place to put it in. So I played it for science, right? Because, like, you know, obviously we got to play some sealed for free. Um, and, you know, I'm swimming with gems for various reasons because I never spend them. Like, I wanted to try it. So I put it in a deck 
I built a deck that I thought would work with it. I had a sealed pool that was struggling to find playables in other colors, so I ended up playing, like, a couple of the skeletons uh, that you can buy back from the graveyard with a couple of bone splinters, this thing, and a couple other things to, like, recur things. I think I had a gravedigger or something like that. And, like, my goal was, sweet, I have these skeletons or these, you know, random dorky two-drops that don't care. I can upgrade them to five-fives. No big deal. The problem was, is any time I was losing... I didn't have either, either I didn't have the cards in hand to discard to this thing, or I didn't have the life to pay, or I didn't have enough blockers because I was sacrificing my creatures to make 5 5 flyers that had to be put on defensive duty. So it was just kind of like you put all those things together, and it's kind of like, why would I ever put play this when I can just put like a 5 5 death toucher in my deck and it basically does the same thing? Yeah, I initially misread this and argued with Ethan for a solid 30 seconds because I, I missed the sacrifice a creature part. I was like, pay two life, discard a card, create a 5-5. Five, five. This sounds great. And then he figured it out when I was arguing with him. He's like, dude, you got to sacrifice a creature too. And I was like, wait, what? I got to go through all this to turn one of my guys into a 5-5 five, five flyer? And that, that's that's when I was kind of like, yeah, I, I don't want to do this. So yeah. you can play your six drops, but not every six drop is playable. Yeah, exactly. I mean... I just thought there'd be, like, I'd always have a creature on board. That wasn't the case. I thought I'd always have a card in hand or that I could work to always have a card in hand. That wasn't the case. It's just, it was just very difficult to make it work. It worked once, but I was probably winning that game anyway. So yeah. I think stay away from that card. Um, and then Blood for Bones. Um, I wanted to talk about this one because this is the four mana reanimate spell and return a creature to your hand as well. Um You gave it a Synergy B, which I think is absolutely correct. I think it's a great Synergy card. I think I'm taking this... To in, like instead, like I'm taking this before I have a, an, an enabler or before I have a card that I want to recur from the graveyard or before I have the uh, the three mana flyer that puts a bunch of things in your graveyard. I want this card first, and then I want to start building my deck around it because I think this card is super powerful. If you can cheat out, like it's magical Christmas land, but I don't think it's that magical Christmas land to cheat out like a bomb rare from your graveyard on turn four. If you have a bunch of the vultures that put cards in your graveyard. Um, and just the late game value you can get off this card, I think is huge. So I think, I think I'm going to be highly picking this, even though it's a synergy or build around card. And I'm going to force that or look to force that if the cards are coming my way. It doesn't look like it's hard to find creatures with ETB effects. Like they seem to be all over the place. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I think I actually agree with you there. Yeah. Take your blood for bones first and then get the things that come into play with it. Uh, my dream is still to get back a grave digger and use that to get back the thing I said, like, Oh, I want to just do that. Yeah, I want to loop it infinitely. Bounce it with the portal. I mean... It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, In red, I think there wasn't anything here that really stood out to me as being special. Did you notice anything that we, like, you wanted to talk about that, like, overperformed or underperformed? Shock. I want to talk about shock. uh, Because Mm -hmm. I disagreed strongly with Ethan on this one and said that shock is only, like, a C-plus level card here. That I'm probably not going to first pick it out of literally any pack... I think Scoundrel's Outrage is significantly better, and this doesn't kill enough relevant things. I rated Disfigure a B minus because that kills everything that Shock kills, uh, and can be used as a combat trick to kill something bigger. But it just looked like when I was looking through the power and toughness on Zombub Sheet, I was like, this just doesn't kill enough stuff that I care about. And I think Shock's actively like I think it's gotten worse in every set that it's been printed in since we saw it come back in Kaladesh. Um, like if I'm playing a red deck and don't have a shock, I didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Okay. And you still stand by that. Yeah. After playing the format, like there just weren't any tutus that I was like, oh my God, I have to kill this. 
it was more like, nah, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, especially like obviously sealed not draft. I have to keep reiterating that for people that just jump in halfway. But um, I, anytime I saw shock in my sealed pool, like I have a, a pile of cards in each color that's like I'm, I want, I'm, I have to play these if I'm playing the color, and then I have a pile that's like this makes me interested in playing red and I never put shock in either of those two piles. Yeah. It's, it's certainly a playable card. I'm not saying don't play shock. I'm just saying if I open a pack and it's got a shock and some other things, I'm looking at the other things first and then we can talk about shock. Exactly. Uh, Oh, and flame sweep flame sweeps actually just pretty good. You should probably put it in your deck. Okay. That's good to know. I didn't have an opportunity to play that. So that is the three mana deal two damage to everything except flyers on your side. Yeah. It turns out when you can shock everything at once during combat or after combat or whenever the hell you want to, uh, it's pretty good. I got wrecked by that card in sealed. Oh yeah. The instant speed on that one kind of makes it, uh, it's, it's like pirate clasm. Yeah. And you can kind of build around it a little bit and make sure your dudes don't die. It was, it was pretty good. Interesting. I have to remember that one. Uh, in green, I wanted to talk about the difference between Silverback Shaman and Thicket Crasher. So Silverback Shaman is a five drop, uh, three green green for a five, four trample when it dies, draw a card. And then the, the Thicket Crasher is the four drop elemental three and a green for a four, three trample. All of your other creatures get trample. Elemental elemental creatures get trample, uh, which is great to have an air elemental with trample. We did that at the pre-release and it was awesome. Um, you had them rated the same, and I really wanted to, to, to talk about this one because they're both commons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both commons. Um, and I definitely think, I think there's a clear preference here toward the Silverback Shaman for me, but I wanted your take on it if you have the opportunity to play with both of them. I have. Um, I think that it was just my lifelong love of Borderland Minotaur that made me think the Thicket Crasher was on par with the Gorilla. Um, and I was valuing the synergies because, like, there is no tribal gorilla deck or shaman deck. Like, the 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 five drop costs more and doesn't have any relevant text other than what it says on the card. But as it turns out, I have played with that card, and what it says on the card's pretty dang good. Uh, I I think it's actually at, at least one bump up from where I put it, and I'm certainly taking it over Thicket Crasher. Like, the, it's it's not even close. Um, yeah, it's not even close. However, that doesn't make Thicket Crasher bad. It's still an absolutely fine card. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, take both of them, but get your monkeys first. When you're looking at your sixth monkey versus your first Thicket Crasher, maybe Curve starts to become a consideration. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's significantly better. I was just wrong on that. I, I thought the elemental tags might mean more than they actually did. And it turns out they mean a lot in this set, but just not enough to make up for a 5-4 that draws you a card when it dies, because that's stupid. Yeah. My comment on Thicket Crasher is that I think it's really good in the blue-green version of the Elemental deck. Um, and because it gives your big flyers trample, which can be very relevant if your opponents are playing, um, you know, spiders on the other side or, or flyers of their own that can chump block or double block, for example, you can get that extra damage through. But just also you have, like, 4-4 four, four and 3-3 three, three Elementals kicking around on your side um, in those in that color combo, and I think that that is relevant. Um, the Silverback Shaman, one of my favorite things to do with the shaman is uh, attack in when my opponent has a decent double block because they're like, well, they're going to attack, remove my best creature, they get a card out of it, but their thing's off the table, like I'm safe. And then you put a, you slam a feral invocation on this thing, you get a two for one out of the deal. Better Even than just a two on for summon, one. like you don't have to dream that big, but like, yeah, it, it was great, it was so good. It doesn't matter. Yeah, um, it, and and it's like and it's like the easiest semi bluff ever because you're like, yeah, okay, I'll, this thing will die, I'll get your best creature, I'll draw a card, I'm fine with that. 
because I'm going to recur some of that value or recoup some of that value. But like blowing them out with a combat trick was so good with this card. The trample gets the extra damage through and then you still have this menacing creature on the other side of the battlefield. It's a 5-4 that draws you a card when they eventually kill it. And if they want to play around it, they're like, what, take five? It's not like you can do that very much or you're just dead. Yeah, it, it's it's one of my favorite cards in, in the common spot in green, for sure. It's very good. Very good. They said they were going to print more powerful commons. I think this is one of them. Agreed. Uh, Pulse of Morass is a card I wanted to, to talk about. Um, two and a green. I'm just going to bring it up here make sure that it is sorcery. No, it's instant. That's yes. why it's so freaking good. Return target creature card or land card from a graveyard to its owner hand. owner's hand. You gain six life. Fun fact, I Pulse of Morass it. <laughs> and evolving wilds so i could get my splash color because i had to use my evolving wilds earlier to get my on color cards now Fun fact let's 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 pause this a little bit now i i still don't think that this goes in every dag so nope. i i don't think you just open you have a green pool and you're looking at it and you're like okay let's do things with pulse of morassa I, I don't think it goes in every green dag so i still stand by d although i'm going to bump it up to a d plus I think right. it performs like a C plus in a black green deck specifically, which is where I played it and it was good. Um, mm-hmm. The six life was interesting. Like there's times where there've been cards that are like get target card from your graveyard back and put it in your hand. And I've been like, I don't want that. And most of the times Repulsa Morassa comes around, I'm like, I don't want that. But we've mentioned a lot of enter the battlefield abilities. And we talked about the vulture already that does self milling. Like there were ways to get value out of this card. And I forget what my one good card was in that awful green black deck. Um, but I played two pulse of morasses and two of the birds. Cause I was like, this is just giving me extra chances to find it. And it literally won me games where my opponent cracks in for air quotes, lethal. And then I cast this and like, it's not lethal anymore. Untap and kill them. So, like, the the card certainly has a home in this format. I wouldn't start first picking it or doing anything like that, but uh, it it certainly has a place in the format. I was not unhappy to have it in that deck. I think when when it's good, it feels like an instant speed Gravedigger. Yeah. Right? Because, like, like the Gravedigger, a 2-2 in this format doesn't do do a ton. It's going to gain you a little bit of life on a block or, like, trade for a 2-2 on the other side, which is kind of what the 6 damage or the 6 life is doing here. Um, and you're just buying back your best creature um, is, is kind of what I found. I like it as a second copy of a really good green creature. So if I have like the the 8-7 that fights things, which is a stupid rare, by the way. There's so many stupid rares in this format. Or like the 4-4 Flash Wolf that's going to die. It's going to get murdered, whatever. It's like, great. I have two of them. And if I and if I don't get that back, there's usually something else I can get back with it. Um, I've, I had a play pattern once where I was playing it in blue-green, because I had a lot of Enter the Battlefield effects. It was the Portal deck I think I was playing it in. And I bought back a Frost Links and played it for lethal. And it's just like, there's like these weird edge case lines you can get wins with this card because of the, the good value of the Enter the Battlefield effects. Yeah, it's worth noting this was first printed as a common uh, in Oath of the Gatewatch, and I played it some there in a green-black value deck, and the fact that it's been rarity shifted up to uncommon should let you know that it's it's probably a reasonable card in the format. Uh, like I said, don't jam it in everything, but if you're a green black or green blue, uh, let's talk. Yeah. Uh, one colorless card I wanted to ask you about is Scuttlemutt. Did you have an opportunity? This is the three mana 2-2 two, two that uh, taps for any mana. Yeah. Any, this, a color of any mana. This is better than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. I, 
I had speculated that the body was going to be too irrelevant for it to matter. And it basically was, but like everybody's still just interested in ramping and splashing, at least in sealed. That may not be the case in draft, but in sealed, this was absolutely fine to run. I ran one in one deck that was being a little greedy with the mana. I had no problem casting all my spells and Scuttlemutt was a part of that. That deck also happened to have a steel overseer. Um, and I did get that going once, which was pretty neat. I like I really like it in my blue green deck again because I was ramping to seven drops. Um, goes well with meteor golem, like anything you want to get to. Um, I often had my opponents destroy it as soon as they could, which is kind of a downside of it because like it's going to get shocked, which is like I, I spent three mana, you spent one mana, you know it, that really sucks. Um, if you're playing it in a two color deck, that could be an advantage though, where if your opponents are thinking they're outsmarting you by removing your your you know your splash <laughs> color or something like that, maybe it eats a murder. Um, but I really liked it in those decks and it's just, you know, sometimes people wanted to put mana lith in their deck and I think like, I think this is just a better mana lith or at least a mana lith, right? Like it's the mana. Yeah. It's, it's fulfilling some of the same thing. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. Random steel overseer synergies there, by the way. Yeah. That was cool too. Um, and then I want to do a quick rundown of the multicolor cards. So we did kind of like a, a bit of a tier ranking system early on in the set review draft or the set review, uh, preview. I guess we did the, the podcast episode. Um, I had the Empyrean Eagle as my top tier and I had Risen Reef very close behind. I got those dead, dead wrong, dead wrong. It's not to say that Empyrean Eagle is worse than I thought it was, but Riven Reef, Risen Reef is so much better than it looked on paper yeah it's really good it's really really good just put it in your decks and have fun i've i've drawn cards off of this in standard already um yeah. and it's neat that it gets like I, I know we're talking about limited today but you you know to fairies like narset's like you can't draw any cards and risen reefs like yeah i can i'm totally drawing just, all the cards i'm gonna draw like four right now watch put them in my hand put them in my hand um i splash for risen reef in in my blue red elementals deck because everything's an elemental um if you're getting like if you're getting a card or a ramp off of this on its own it's already paid off like i'm fine with it just sitting there being a one one and if you have any kind of other synergies or you get any kind of additional value off this one um it's more than made up for the spot in your deck yeah so Every time I played it, it was the best card in my deck. Uh, I was surprised at how good it, like, legitimate. I thought it was going to be good. I was legitimately surprised at how good it was. And, like, I only had four other elementals in the sealed deck I played it in, and it was still just great. Yeah. Uh, cards, another card that went up for me was Tonebound Lich. Yeah. Um, I had it in, like, my middling tier, and I've moved it up. So I think it's below Risen Reef. It's probably on par with Empyrean Eagle for me right now. Um, but it is. I think it might be better. But just a it, tiny it, bit. It, it might be better. Um, and the reason is, is because, like, the Enter the Battlefield loot is not as good as Risen Reef, but it's pretty close. Like, just from that initial value, Risen Reef gets the extra bump because of the ramp potential, but also because, you know, you're not discarding a card, you're actually gaining a card out of it. Um, it's really hard to block a 1-3 Death Toucher early in the game. Yeah. And, and if you're playing, like, you know, Disfigures or Unsummons or things like that, like, you can just blow your opponent out um quite easily with the one three death toucher so quite often unless your opponent respects it you can either get their best creature off the board that they double block with or you're getting extra loots i think i looted three or four times with this in one game before my, my opponent murdered it and it's kind of like you should have done that three turns ago because i got you know three cards worth of value because i was pitching lands or something like that so i think tonebound lich has gone up for me for sure pretty good 
pretty pretty good anything got like anything any of these you played with that changed in value for you or like are we still in that kind of like you know risen reef and then imperial eagle tonebound lich and then kind of everything else and then like moldervine reclamation uh i got to play with the iron root warlord uh and that was pretty dang good uh, I did have like a green white go wide deck. Sadly, no inspiring captains. They would have been the best card in the deck. No, not really. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was pretty dang good. Like I got it to where it was a seven five uh, relatively quickly. You know, you could attack with it, make creatures at instant speed or end of turn, and hold up other things that you might have in your hand. I, it's still not as good as those other cards, but it was fine in that deck. Uh, I also got to play with Yarok. I understand that's a mythic, uh, but go figure. That was pretty dang good. That was That's the absolutely Harmonicon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not usually one to go in for these effects, but when you staple it on a 3-5 death-touching lifelinker, um, all of a sudden I'm interested, and I got to play against the Mana Lake in a sealed pool, uh, and it, God, it did nasty things. It did, like, I was playing Pups and getting two Wolves, and then I think I put the uh, Raised by Wolves variant or whatever on Yarok and made two more Wolves. It was so much fun. That's that's incredible. Um, Omnath as well. Speaking pretty good. Lyrics, pretty good. Yeah, I think Omnath is like... It's busted. It is bananas. And it's so easy to play in those colors. Like, the, the teamer colors are not hard to splash for. Um, obviously, you play base green. But, like, the number of times I have played it, dealt three or four damage to something. So, like, uh, Rav- Ravenous Chupacabra... But then also just drew two or three cards over the course of the game just for playing lands and also making it like a 6-6 six, six or, or making something else a 6-6 six, six because I'm putting plus one, plus one counters on things. Like, it's just, there's so much value stable onto this card. Like, obviously you're going to f- first pick it, but like, if you have the choice between like this and like a foil other mythic, you know, I think this has gone up for me in value if you're playing paper, just like. I don't even care. Just slam this. We'll build around it. We'll play 17 junky elementals. It doesn't matter. It's this that card good. is bananas. It's that good. So, but that's just me bragging because I had like two pools with them in it and it was bananas each time. So. Agree. Anything, anything else overall that like anything that surprised you, anything you want to touch on before we, we call it an episode here. Fixing ain't bad. Picks them up. There's some stuff that's worth splashing with the cons duels and the evolving wilds. You can probably do some splashing and the cons duels in the format probably means that most of your opponents are starting at 21 or 22 life, which is not a huge deal, but like something to be aware of as your aggro decks are going to have to push a little bit of extra damage against some decks. Um, so I, I was pleasantly surprised with how the fixing worked out. There's also just a bunch of random life gain like in white. Yeah. Not, not as much as there was in uh, like the last couple of sets. I forget which one. Was it War of the Spark or was it the one before it that had a bunch of life gain? That was the just core random? set had a bunch of random life gain too. Oh, that, that that's true too. Um, but there's just like just a couple of these guys that are just like, yeah, I'm just going to gain four life here. I'm just going to gain three life here. Like it's it feels tough to be an aggro deck in this format, um, at least in sealed, which is always the case. But we'll see what it is in draft. Yeah, I'm excited to see what draft bears out for us. What are you talking about? You're not actually going to draft this set. I may break at some point and do a draft on Moto or something. We'll see. I I am I am taking bets on the the line of what day is it? Uh, da, 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 da. I give you three and a half streams. That's my line before you break and do a best of three draft. Okay, we will see about that, sir. So that puts the line at at uh, Wednesday afternoon. 
over under. So anybody listening out there on Twitter want to tweet us? We're at arena athlete arena underscore athletes. Let me know if you're taking the under or the over on three and a half streams. Okay. Okay. Or well, now no, that I'm no, involved that would be in it, it's going to be Thursday. Well, it's going to be Friday. No, that would be then. that would be Thursday. Yeah. Well, I'll, no, I'm not taking what I guess. I guess I'm taking the under, but. One day I will teach you a game. There's a game we used to play when we played poker, which was um, the similar thing, except somebody else would set the line. So like, but they wouldn't tell anybody what the line was. So like, I might say, okay, hey, you know, so-and-so over there, I want you to set the line on this bet. But then what we would do is we would bet on what their line was, not picking a side of the line. So we would say... I think he's going to say that the line is, you know, Travis is going to three and a half streams. That's a good line. And so we had to play the game of thinking about what they knew about whatever we were betting on. And oh, then we were betting on what they were saying in their head. That's the, some 5 greatest game right there. Yeah, it was the greatest amazing. game because poker was quite often so boring when you're sitting there playing your fifth or sixth hour that you'd just be like, we got to make some game up. So maybe we'll start doing that in poker maybe, or uh, in magic streams. Maybe I'll start... Okay, we're going to give a Travis a card and he's going to grade it. And then we're going to guess what his grade is. You know, I'm thankful that magic is exciting enough that we don't have to resort to crap like that. Cause that sounds awful. No, I guess you've never been a degenerate gambler. So <laughs> no, I'm just a gen- degenerate magic player, I guess, which is pretty close, except you don't make any money in magic. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the difference. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to end the podcast here. Uh, thanks to Face to Face Games for the support and the host. Where can they catch you streaming next week, Mr. Sowers? You can find me at twitch.tv slash simulan. I'm on Twitter at the same, and I'm actively excited about Standard right now and will be playing mostly Standard this week, so come check it out. Okay, and we're going to do our next episode will be on Standard. We're going to do our first impressions of Standard. I'm not a constructed player as much as you are. Um, we are not pro-constructed players by, by far. Yet. But uh, I think yet but i think it'd be a fun episode i've got a lot of cool decks that i'm running into i'm playing a couple of cool decks on my side so i'm very curious to see how the format shakes out in the first couple of weeks you can catch me i'm at twitch.tv slash d civilian that's d-s-a-v-i-l-l-i-a-n and i'm on twitter the same we're also on twitter what's like we said before we're at underscore arena underscore athletes you can catch us there thanks for listening we'll catch you next time adios